Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the Leadership File and Happy New Year to you. I'm Andy Peck, your host, and it's good that you could join me, whether you're listening live on a Sunday or via a podcast. Each week we look at a leadership topic with a leader or expert on leadership themes. Uh, maybe you saw the post during the rounds on social media that said, in 2015, not a single person got the answer right to, where do you see yourself five years from now? You'll be fed up with hearing the cliches about the events of 2020 being, in quotes, unprecedented. But we're all looking for words to describe the times we live in. Most Christians in leadership describe the year as the toughest they have known. Those in church leadership have entered a season that they didn't train for and feel ill-equipped for. But the new year brings a sense of a new start. And if the changing calendar doesn't change circumstances fully, many are looking, uh, taking the time to look ahead, God willing, to a brighter future with the prospect of widespread vaccinations, enabling us to return to something approaching more normal church life. Well, to help us navigate looking ahead, I'm joined by Duncan Banks. Uh, Duncan is CEO of the Further Faster Network. He's based in Suffolk and oversees 11 churches across the British Isles, and he's keen to, to gear their ministry to serve the unbelievers in their neighbourhoods. So welcome back, Duncan, to Leadership Farm. Thanks, Andy. It's great to be with you. Um, so I have to obviously ask, how was 2020 for you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, there are, well, Andy, I've been living la vida lockdown like everybody else. Um, in many ways, it's been it's been tough. You know, my wife works on an intensive care unit at the local hospital, and that's a tough place to be. My my eldest son got married in between the two lockdowns, so it was a scaled down kind of a event. So, you know, that was tough. I haven't seen my 87-year-old dad since the, the summer. So, yeah, you know, some people have had it much, much tougher, I know. Um, but in many ways, and I feel a bit uh, ashamed and embarrassed to say this, but in many ways, it's been a great year. So I was talking to one of the pastors in our network just on Monday night, and he said to me, Duncan, COVID has been a gift to our church. And I said, you're, you're kidding me. What do you mean by that? And he said, well, I think our church has jumped forward 10 years in 10 months. It's never going to be the same again. And he said, I'm really cool with that. And it kind of dawned on me that he's discovered church can't be locked down or closed. You know, Boris can't shut the doors of the church because the church isn't a place. You know, Jesus didn't come to build a building, came to build a community of people that are going to change the world. So for us as a, as a network, it's actually been a fantastic 2020. You know, in March, we were just five founding churches of a very young, new network uh, and when lockdown happened, we started to run some webinars and hundreds of people lent into these webinars about how you take your church online. And so since then, in just a few months, 10 months, we've more than doubled. We're now actually 12 churches in our network because we added one more this month. So if, if you really want an honest answer, 2020 has been really good for us as a network. Well, that's oh, it's good to hear. I'm, I'm encouraged by that. So, um, you know, I, I didn't quite know exactly what to expect when I asked the question, but um, certainly at the start of 2020, none, no church leader would have expected the kind of year ahead. And, and as you kind of get to 2021, well, it sounds from what you've said that you're you're going to be more optimistic about 2021 than maybe some church leaders might be. Well, yeah, I mean, 2020 has been, a, you know, it's all been about change. The buzzword of 2020 has been about change. And so I've been saying to my leaders at the, you know, the start of this new year that this, this idea of flexibility and agility and change, 
that's going to carry on in 2021. Change has been and will be the biggest single challenge for leaders as we go through this year. I mean, if you think right back to the start of this pandemic, you know, overnight we went from an event company to a media company, an event organisation to a media organisation. We went from analogue to digital and we did it overnight. So I've been saying at the start of this new year, I've been saying to our leaders, listen, guys, marry the mission, but date the model. You know, be absolutely wedded to this mission of creating a church that unchurched people love and find irresistible and want to keep coming back to and bring their friends to. Marry that, you know. But the way you do it, the model, just date that. I mean, after all, Andy, who doesn't want to date a model these days? (laughs) But but if you're going to date the model, you've got to make some key shifts. So I've been saying to our guys, we've got to shift from teaching to equipping, and it might sound subtle, but it's a big shift. You know, church people, they want church content. I want something deep and biblical. But if we're going to reach unchurched people, they're not interested in church content. They're interested in helpful content. Uh, how do I fix my broken marriage? You know, that kind of content. So, so the church has got to move. It's got to shift from teaching to equipping. We've got to move from simply gathering people to equipping people. And the other thing I've been talking to them about is we, we've got to shift from measuring attendance to measuring engagement. You know, content used to be king. We just turned up on a Sunday for an hour with the kids, the young people, the adults, and it was all about delivering content. I don't think content is king anymore. I think content is queen and connection, engagement is king. So we've got to move from attracting to engaging. So I was really heartened this Sunday. I was watching some of our churches and their online uh, services. And one of the churches has put a QR code on the screen as they're doing the introductions and they just say, hold your phone up to the screen and it takes you to a web page where there are a myriad of ways in which you can engage and you can connect. Uh, so we've, we've got to think like that, away from just attendance and measuring bums on seats to measuring engagement and connection. That's what I've been telling our folks at the start of this new year. Oh, that's fabulous. And how are you connecting with this folk? Is it, again, Zoom, phone calls, uh, some sort of uh, um, smaller gatherings perhaps? How am I connected with my leaders? Mm. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's all been about Zoom. We've been doing, uh, you know, one-to-one. I mean, to be honest, I have done some things offline with them or some old-school things with them. In between the two lockdowns, I managed to get and see some of them and have a, have a coffee, a socially distanced coffee in a coffee shop. But um, uh, for most of it, it has been Zoom. And like everybody else, I've, I've got Zoom fatigue. I'm a bit bored of Zoom now. Um, but uh, I've, I've been doing some you know, just old-fashioned phone calls, and that's quite a quite a refreshing thing just picking the phone up and having a proper phone call with somebody some of them uh, we've been having meals online so we've i've sent them all um just eat vouchers and we've all gathered around a takeaway curry or a pizza or some burgers and actually uh, in our own homes had a meal together and had a conversation together to build relationship and to, to build a sense of community so i've been trying to do things different to zoom and using zoom as the tool to connect sure and give us an idea um Duncan, of the, the breadth of uh, geography in, in terms of your network, because you have, it's quite, I, I use the word British Isles deliberately in my introduction, because you're literally across the British Isles, aren't you? Yeah, we, we've got churches um, up north as far as Liverpool, Southport area. We've got some in Birmingham, some on the Welsh border in Oswestry. Down south, we, we've got two or three around London. We've got some in Andover in Hampshire, one in Portsmouth. 
uh, a church near where I am, my church in, in Suffolk. And we've actually got two churches in, in, uh, on the island of Ireland. So we've got one in Dublin, brilliant church in, in, in Dublin, and one in Limerick, which is their newest recruit. So, yeah, we, we're, it's growing rapidly and it's spread across uh, geographically a, a huge area. And it's also spread across um, different denominations. We've got Pentecostals, we've got Assemblies of God, we've got Baptists, we've got free evangelical churches. So it's, it's not about style of worship. It's about this common desire to create something that unchurched people find so irresistible they can't keep coming back to. Well, maybe we'll come back to that uh, a bit later on in the, in the conversation. But um, um, just before we go to a break, uh, Duncan, uh, it's, it's clear that leadership can take its toll and, and, and leading through a crisis uh, can take its toll as, as leaders having to make decisions. You, you know, obviously our politicians have had a, a pretty rough year. I mean, who would have signed up to be an MP this year? <laughs> um, so what kind of reflection on our lives might leaders need to take as they enter 2021 to make sure they're not dragging any baggage that may have um, kind of uh, burdened them, shall we say, from 2020? Yeah, Uh, that's a great question, Andy. I mean, if you ask all of the leaders in our network, and I think it's true of every church leader, and like you say, every politician, every teacher, everybody in some kind of leadership role, they're just exhausted. They're tired. And the thought of going into a new year and things not really changing, even though there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, it's just exhausting. So so here's the thing. I, I think, and you're probably doing this, Andy, just like I am, what leaders tend to do in January is to set, set a goal for the year, personal, a personal goal, a leadership goal, you know, an organisational goal. If you're a leader listening to this, honestly, please grab a pencil and a piece of paper and write down this one sentence and I've been talking to all my leaders about this, make this sentence your motto, your mantra in January and for the rest of this year. And here it is. I'm going to reach my goal without losing my soul. I'm going to reach my goal without losing my soul. I am really concerned that for some of us, we've run at such a high pace, we're going to lose our passion, we're going to lose our kids, we're going to lose our relationships, our marriages even, our sanity. So why don't you say at the start of this year, I'm going to reach my goal, but I'm not going to do it at the cost of my soul. The greatest gift you can give those you lead or those you pastor is your own healthy soul. I don't think this idea of soul care of it has ever been more important than it is in this, uh, you know, as we move from 2020 to 2021. I mean, Andy, just real quickly, you know, in, in the start of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, I, I missed this verse for ages, Matthew chapter 5. Jesus um, is just about to go up the mountain with his disciples. And it says this, he saw the crowd, but he went up the mountainside to pray. And when I first read that, I thought, that can't be right, Jesus. I mean, in the crowd, there are lost people, you know, who are going to a lost eternity. There are uh, sick people who need healing. And you saw all those people, and yet you ignored them and went up a mountainside to pray. But in that moment, Jesus was choosing, you know, he he saw the important, but he chose the vital, if you like. And of course, you get to Matthew 7 when he finishes the Sermon on the Mount, he comes down the mountainside and he's right back into the marketplace. He's right back into healing sick people. And I think there are times when we have to say no to the important important things in front of us. And we need to go up the mountainside with Jesus and reset our soul, because otherwise we won't reach our goals and we'll lose our souls this year. And that's my that's my fear. Well, you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Duncan Banks, the CEO of the Further Faster Network. We'll be back just after this. 
Welcome back to the Leadership Farm with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Duncan Banks. Duncan is CEO of the Further Faster Network. He's based in Suffolk, oversees 11 churches across the British Isles. We were talking before the break of, of how for him and, in fact, for his network, a, a lot of good things happened in 2020 that have encouraged them as they seek to uh, change and particularly as they focus upon uh, reaching unbelievers who are not uh, massively impressed often by uh, church and our programs and our content, but actually want to connect uh, with something real and with something that's going to uh, impact their, their personal daily lives. So, um, Duncan, as you um, reflect a little bit back on 2020 and, and this move uh, online, which which many churches, not, maybe not all, but certainly many churches have had to do, do you welcome the way in which they've had to, we've had to embrace technology to enable kind of streaming of services, etc.? Or are you, do you have some misgivings about the whole thing? No, not at all. It's something the church needed to have done years ago, Andy. I'm really excited that the church is embracing this new technology because we realise we can reach more people online. I mean, isn't that what we, what we want to do as a church, reach more people? Well, we can do that online. We, we've realised we can still do effective ministry, but we can do it on a much smaller budget. Churches have realised that these constraints that COVID has put on them can actually lead to more creativity. So I think the digital genie, if you like, is out of the bottle. And here's why I welcome the church embracing technology. Let me take you back 2,000 years. Paul used the technology of his day to connect people to God and to grow the church. You know, he picked up a, a pen and a quill and a, and a piece of parchment and he wrote letters. He wrote letters back to communities of believers and churches all across the world. Uh, he used the technology of the day. And what's the technology of our day? Well, it's YouTube, it's Facebook, it's Zoom, it's, all, it's Instagram, Twitter, you know, TikTok. It's all the, the social media platforms. But my fear is we've got to start using it right. We've got to stop using social media just to promote our events. And, it, you know, I go to a lot of church websites and it's all about us. It's look at us, look at our events, come to us. We've got to stop using social media just to promote our events. And we've got to use it to promote conversations. So I've got one pastor friend. I was talking to him last week, actually. He's hit on a brilliant thing and it's making a huge difference. You know, I don't know if you realise this, but on Twitter... You can follow a hashtag and you can do it in a local radius. You can do it in a, a, you know, a short five, ten mile radius of where you're at. So one day he decided to uh, follow the hashtag, you know, ha hashtag depression, hashtag anxiety, anybody who was posting that. And he found loads of people in a five or ten mile, mile radius of his church that were saying, I'm sad today. Um, the tablets haven't kicked in for me. I, I feel depressed, hashtag anxiety. And he replied to every single one of them and just said, hey, I'm praying for you today. Let me know if there's anything I can pray specifically. And he said I had one or two people say, you know, get lost, I'm not interested. But most people lent into him. He had lots of conversations and it led to people um, joining him on a, on a journey. Um, he also followed the hashtag new house. You know, lots of people take pictures of their, their, their new house and he put together a little PDF you know, of the local area, doctor's surgeries and shop opening times, it's schools, et cetera, et cetera. And he just interacted with people and he's found a whole bunch of new people to pastor because he's used social media, not just to promote what their church are doing, but to reach out and start conversations with people. I mean, take YouTube, Andy. It's the place where people go to find answers to absolutely everything. You've got a broken bike, you go to YouTube and you type in, how do I fix my broken bike? You've got a broken marriage, <laughs> you go to YouTube, you say, how do I fix my broken marriage? I, I read this stat just last week. YouTube has got 2 billion logged in users every month. Every month, 2 billion. And 95% of them 
are Generation Xs. You know, they're the under 20s. You know, you, you want to make a difference to the world. I mean, that's, that's what every church wants to do. This is where your audience is. They're online. So, so streaming your church service on YouTube is it's kind of like the modern day equivalent of building a church on the busiest and most popular street in your town. So I'm not saying we don't ever gather again physically. Of course we need to gather physically. A YouTube church isn't genuine church. But we can't fail to um, understand the power of reaching more people online. And actually, you talk about streaming services. I actually think, Andy, on demand is going to become more important to live streaming. You know, nobody watches TV these days. You know, when it comes, we used to sit around the TV and wait for the the big comedy show at nine o'clock. We don't do that anymore. We want to watch it when we want to watch it. And so we need to be more Netflixy as a church and think more on demand than just simply live streaming. But I'm really excited that we're using it. Great. So even even when you're gathering again, which we trust will happen in your network, your 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 churches, your, your hope will continue to have a digital component so that people can log in either at that time or, or subsequent. They definitely will, because they've, they've already realised in the past 10 months that it's enabled them to reach more people, to, to do more ministry on, on a smaller budget, and uh, they, they're beginning to realign their, their staff and their budgets so that they can um, have a better expression online, definitely. Maybe we could turn, turn uh, Duncan, to uh, a more sensitive topic, really, and that obviously we have a nation that, you know, in, the, in 2020, there's a lot of people grieving, uh, you know, we, unprecedented numbers have lost their lives. And, uh, you know, if that's you listening, then obviously our hearts go out to you. Uh, but it does mean that the, as a nation, we that the, the matters of life and death, which are always there, have been brought to particular focus, as you've seen the, the stats, sadly, of, of people passing away. And I'm just wondering whether, you know, as a network of, of churches that are particularly focused on non-believers, whether you sense in any way that non-believers are a little bit more open to to spiritual realities because of the season we're in? Yes, that's a great question. And, and personally, in my experience, um, I think people are asking more and more spiritual questions than they've ever done. They really are. Um, they're looking for more of a sense of hope, more of a sense of a light at the end of the tunnel. They're looking for that kind of thing. My fear is, will they look to the church for answers? You know, just going back to our last com- our last question. You know, we the online church. If people are, have those spiritual questions, they're gonna the first place they're gonna look is is Google. You know, and and if we don't have a presence there, then they're not even gonna find us in the first place. Um, uh, you know, if if I if I tell you of a great new restaurant in town, Andy, you're gonna you're gonna Google it before you do anything else. You know, let's see what it's like. Um, and, and if people Google our church because they're looking for answers to spiritual questions, then what are they going to find? Um, you know, I look at some churches and I look at their, their talk titles and you, you think no one's asking those questions. You know, why are you doing a series on the power and the... the- I was one church I was at where they were doing a 12-week series on the power and theology of the Holy Spirit. It's a really important subject. But it's for believers, it's not for unbelievers. Nobody in their right mind is Googling the power and the theology of the Holy Spirit. They're Googling, you know, how do I overcome my grief? Well, I feel so lonely. Where can I find a friend? Um, so, they, I mean, on YouTube, for example, there's this beautiful thing called um, keyword optimization. You can pick your subject 
and you can put it into a keyword optimization site and it'll tell you what people are actually searching for. So simply just renaming the title of your talk means that you can reach more people. So like I say, I just think we need to be more Netflixy, and then people with these, with pain and grief and these spiritual questions, they they will come to us. So one one of the churches in our, in our network, brilliant, they did a series called um, "You're Not the Boss of Me." It was a great series, and they, it was it was talking about how we control our emotions, you know, anger and fear and all those other things. How do we control guilt? How do we control those emotions? How do we say to these emotions, "You're not the boss of me"? But no one's googling "You're not the boss of me." But when they started to rename their their series titles like how do I overcome fear and how do I overcome guilt they suddenly realize that everybody's uh googling that everyone's typing that into YouTube and so so many more people lent into that talk because they were looking for answers so I yes people are more spiritual and yes people are looking for answers but I don't know if they're looking at the church and I don't know if they're going to hear us or find us if they're searching does that make sense yeah no absolutely absolutely and and as we come to a close, Duncan, I suppose we have to also talk about the toll that, that the season has taken upon believers, some of whom have not found uh, online church at all suitable or helpful. And, and some of it would seem drifted away. There have been some surveys that have suggested as many as 50% of committed Christians have not engaged at all during the pandemic with with the Christian content that's on offer. Uh, so I'm just, as you're anticipating the year ahead, you know, reconnection with those kind of folk and offering grace must be an important element, I guess, of for a leader going forward. Yeah, it's been a, that's been a huge challenge, hasn't it? You know, when when we did put our services online, everybody was quite excited about it. It was new, it was fresh, and people lent into it. And and now everyone's noticed their view numbers are going down and uh, you know we're panicking because we can't you know who, who are who are our people you know we feel like we've lost our families our kids and our teenagers aren't connecting and so that is that is a challenge I think for leaders um, so you ask the question you know do we need to change the way we do our discipleship is it just that we're you know missing human connection is that the problem well both of those things are true but but lots of I think lots of Christians are asking themselves what is church now when it's not a place I can go and the problem is we, we haven't given them a great answer to that because we've we've just pushed for years and years and years that church is what happens in the building for an hour on Sunday. And beyond that, it's just a peripheral bit of extra if you fancy it kind of thing. And, and my fear is that all of our habits have been rewired. You know, we're now doing church in our PJs with a cup of coffee and a bowl of cornflakes on the sofa. And we, you know, we don't even have to do it at half past 10 or 11 o'clock on a Sunday. We can do it on a Tuesday night if we want. And you know what, Andy, talking to a lot, talking to lots of leaders, they're loving this. Don't, I mean, don't share this too loudly, but lots of church pastors are loving it because they're doing their talk on a Wednesday afternoon. And if they get it wrong, they can redo it again. And on Sunday mornings, they haven't got to rush around like they used to. They haven't got to get to church at 7 a.m. and set the chairs out and, you know, rehearse the band and all that kind of stuff. They can just watch it whenever they want as well. And so we, our habits are becoming you know, rewired. And the, the danger is the longer this goes on, the more permanently these habits will, will stay with us and people will start to drift. So I personally, I think as a church, you know, what is the church doing right now? It's doing two things. I think it's offering content and it's offering connection. And we've got to figure a way of delivering content, the kind of content that will help people in their everyday lives. And we've got to figure out how are we going to connect and engage people. So I, if I was a leader of a church right now, I'd be saying, who's my head of content and who's my head of connection? How do we drive those 
two big things forward and get the figures to go up and to the right so people are downloading and ingesting our content and they're finding ways to connect. And if you can crack those two things, then I think you're going to help to grow people up spiritually. But, you know, like any crisis, you know, like COVID, it doesn't create a great church. It just reveals what's already there. Um, And so if this crisis has revealed a sense of emptiness about your strategy, then I think you have to rethink it. Well, Duncan, you've been uh, terrific in the way you've expressed optimism about things ahead, about reflecting on the past as well. So uh, we're in your debt as we go into this new year. So thank you so much. Thanks, Andy. So you've been listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I was joined this week by uh, Duncan Banks. He's the CEO of the Further Faster uh, Network. Um, Duncan, are there particular things you'd want to say about the Further Faster Network that people can connect with as we close? Yeah, I mean, I would just say all we want to do is be helpful. So if you went to our YouTube channel, if you type Further Faster Network into uh, YouTube, we have a whole bunch of um, conversations that we've had with experts from all around the world that will help you in your leadership life to go further faster. It'll help you to grow your church by reaching unchurched people. It'll help you to figure out what a physical and a digital church might look like. So that's the place where I think you'll find a ton of resources that will be really helpful to you. That's terrific. Good. Well, please do that. And do obviously go to Premier's website and listen to archive recordings of the Leadership File, including this one in due course. I look forward to your company again next Sunday at four o'clock. Thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.